I won't let my moderate to severe plaque psoriasis symptoms define me. Emerge as you. In two clinical studies, Trimphia guselcumab, taken by injection, provided 90% clearer skin at 16 weeks in 7 out of 10 adults with moderate to severe plaque psoriasis. In a study, nearly 7 out of 10 patients with 90% clearer skin at 16 weeks were still clearer at 5 years. At one year and thereafter, patients and healthcare providers knew that Tremphia was being used. This may have increased results. Results may vary. Serious allergic reactions may occur. Tremphia may increase your risk of infections and lower your ability to fight them. Before treatment, your doctor should check you for infections and tuberculosis. Tell your doctor if you have an infection or symptoms of infection, including fever, sweats, chills, muscle aches, or cough. Tell your doctor if you had a vaccine or plan to. Emerge as you. Learn more about Tremphia, including important safety information at Tremphia.com or call 1-877-578-3527. See our ad in Food & Wine magazine. For patients prescribed Tremphia, cost support may be available. Okay. Let's do some quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. That's obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. To reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. Here's the thing. Information is power. Information is money. Literally, the currency of today's world of of entrepreneurship is information. And if you could bring all of the the information about your business into one dashboard, this is incredibly valuable. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of the truth about your business. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, access from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all of your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. This is so valuable. You just hit a button and you can see all the information about your business instead of having to like call five different departments and get all these emails and put it all together and make sense of it. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math, see how you'll profit with NetSuite. Backed by popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash james, netsuite.com slash james netsuite.com slash james this isn't your average business podcast and he's not your average host this is the james altucher show so robin yes do you think you're in love with me Oh, no. No, I don't think I know. I know I'm in love with you as well. And at some point we could tell the story of our first date where I think I fell in love with you before you fell in love with me. But I was definitely a love at first sight person. But we were friends for for a while. We were friends Mm -hmm. for over a year Mm -hmm. or about a year. And I think a lot of people often are in the friend zone with people they are in love with or potentially in love with. And while we're talking about romantic relationships, some of the ideas that I'm going to talk about here and that, and that Robin and I are going to talk about here also apply to business relationships, employer, employee relationships. It's not just intimacy is not just about romance. Intimacy is how you work with people. It's about your friendships. It's about your relationships within the community. Now, of course, you're not romantically intimate with your boss. At least I hope not. Uh, I mean, that does happen if you fall in love with your boss. Uh, Jay, try not to fall in love with me. But <laughs> uh, but, uh, but that's not what we're talking about here, although I'll, I'll refer to it a little. So there was, and in, an, in a separate podcast, uh, Robin and I are going to talk about what your IQ is. And I don't mean your intelligence quotient, but but the intimacy quotient of your relationship. So that's in a future podcast. But this one is specifically a technique to move from the friend zone or let's say the, you know, employee zone to the, well, let's just stick with the friend zone for a second, 
the friend zone to the romance zone. And uh, I could ask, is it possible? I feel like I've tried a million times. It's never possible. Well, oh. let's see how you think after this technique. So, okay. uh, and this is not like some pickup scene. Like, like I'm assuming right. already that you're not really in a bar or uh, a party and you're meeting someone for the first time. I'm assuming, you know, you know somebody, you're on a date and you're trying to figure out how to kind of uh, make, you know, on a date, everybody is taking in a ton of information. Uh, like you're like, where is he or she taking me? Um, what does he or she look like? What does he or she smell like? What what does he or she, you know, kind of the external things. What do they do for a living? What are what's interesting about them in their resume? And then, but then there's the more kind of like how you interact, how you make someone laugh, and, and that sort of thing. So this is just kind of one aspect of it. But so I, I was looking at a lot of different research on this and there was a paper uh, uh, with a ton of experiments. Uh, the, if you want to read the original paper, which is hard to read because it's academia, uh, the paper is called The Experimental Generation of Interpersonal Closeness, a Procedure and Some Preliminary Findings. And it's by um, the main author is Arthur Aaron from SUNY Stony Brook, but there's also professors from... Uh, UC Santa Cruz, Arizona State University. There's a bunch of professors who who did this research and combined their their findings. The main conclusion is is that one, and I'm quoting them. One key pattern associated with development of a close relationship is sustained, escalating, reciprocal, personalistic self disclosure. So there's a lot of words there. So again, I'm gonna I'm gonna break this down. So they look. So they look at not only romantic relationships, but again, friendships. Let's say you just started a job and you want to, um, you want your boss to notice you more, or let's say you're pitching investors or doing sales. So that's, that's what they mean by close relationship is, is you go from stranger being a, a relative stranger to being closer. And All right. so uh, does it mean it doesn't matter. It doesn't mean it's a lover. Right. But I'm going to talk about it in the context of okay. romance. Cause I think that's, the most common, I mean, it's not the most common actually, and it's not even maybe the most important, but I mean, I think people who are in love with each other do what I'm about to suggest automatically. But okay. so they, that's why they say close relationship among peers. But the key pattern is sustained, meaning it continues over time. Mm -hmm. Escalating means it increases. Reciprocal means it goes both, both ways. Personalistic means it's about yourself self-disclosure, meaning revealing things about yourself. And so escalating means you don't start off with like, you're, you, it, it's not like you're on your, your, the first minute of your first date and you say, let me about, tell you about the time I, I tried to kill myself. Like that would be, you know, that wouldn't be escalating. That would be, you know, jumping off the roof. You've escalated too much. Uh, reciprocal means both sides are revealing. And of course it's gotta be why does it? Why? Why do you think personalistic is imp important? Why do you think it has to be self-disclosure as opposed to like, oh, here's some interesting facts about life? What do you mean by uh, what's what's the word self-disclosure? Yeah, it's about you. You're saying things about yourself that are maybe revealing that nobody that that very few people, only people close to you might know. Trust. Yeah, yeah. I think trust, trust. is a, is is a, a good one. Like, oh, he. he Trust me. And that's why I think if it escalates too fast, that's a bad sign because, whoa, whoa, why is this person, I barely know this person, he's trusting me too much. Mm. Right, yeah, because I, I always heard that like, oh man, you're revealing yourself too much. You know, you have to like, you, you want to be an open book, but at the same time, you want to keep it mystery. A little bit, but I, that's why the escalating is important. Start off small and if they're, and you know, kind of encourage them. When you start off small also, it's easier to encourage. And, and by the way, we're going to get to the actual... 36 questions that this study uses to get people closer. So, and then right. we'll see how they escalate. I think the key is you get someone to say, oh, uh, well, we'll see some of the questions, but if someone starts off small, then their brain tells them, oh, I am the type of person who reveals personal things to this almost stranger. And so as their brain gets comfortable with that, then it's possible to escalate. So yes, this is a technique, but I think the other thing too is is that um, you're you're spending something. You're you're when you reveal something about yourself, like you just said, Jay. You, you know, people even say, "Oh, keep things close to the vest." You're 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 spending a little bit of your mystery advantage in order to get 
this vulnerability advantage. And I think people are afraid to do that. So, uh, you know, that's important. Yeah, that's it's funny when you said the 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 what's the word uh, escalating. That also remind me of what Chuck uh, Palahniuk said the other day. It's like never start your book with the most important stories. Right. Yeah. And and you know what I I had to think about that because I see I know I know of a lot of writers who do start with their most important stories, and I, I right. think I think often in a book, uh, I mean I can think of many many examples where people do start with their most important stories. So so. I'm still not entirely sure about that, ah. but but perhaps the most meaningful stories, yeah, maybe they that's different than important. Um, right. you know, so we'll we'll see. But um, there's something else I was thinking. Oh, it also reminds me of David Litt, who came on. He was uh, right. uh the speechwriter for President Obama, and he talked about how in a good speech you want to build a ladder of meaning, like first things that have small meaning, but everybody can relate to it, but they have small meaning. And then you get to bigger and bigger meaning, like, you know, the civil rights movement. So he, you know, he broke down a Martin Luther King speech and, you know, Martin Luther King talks about how he was sick and this, this happened and this happened. So, okay, you care about someone because they're sick and you want them to be better. But then he escalated it until finally he's talking about, I have a dream and that's the, I have a dream speech. So, uh, uh, so anyway, the, the important thing is though, they give in this research, they give a list of questions they, they did on thousands of subjects. And they determined that as people who were relative strangers, they made sure people were kind of like on the same page on some big issues. That's how they qualify people to be part of the study. So th these people weren't, it wasn't like one was a evangelical religious person and the other person was an atheist. They, they like more or less were similar, but they wanted to compare if someone, if two people asks the, ask these questions compared with two people who didn't ask these questions, who felt closer at the end? And the people who asked these questions felt much, much closer at the end. So mm -hmm. the idea here is the technique is if you're on like a first date or a second date or whatever, try some form of these questions. And by the way, they mentioned it's important to do them in order because of the escalating aspect and, you know, see what happens. And then one more important thing before we go into the questions this, what they, all they measured was if people feel right now more intimate with each other after asking these questions. And obviously if you want to build sustained intimacy and romance and love and marriage, you kind of have to be vulnerable and self-disclosing you know, on a long-term basis. You, you have to keep watering the plant for the relationship to, to continue to grow. There's either right. growth or death in, in a relationship. So, so that's just important to remember. So Robin, how about uh, I will ask you some of these questions and I will also answer them. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So I'm gonna keep quiet because I don't have any partner. <laughs> yes, you're you're the lonely bystander. You're, you're um, the third, you the third wheel. You're the third yeah. wheel. There's another set of questions for uh, if it's not a romantic relationship, they call it uh, small talk questions. So oh. if you're building, so I should have used these whenever I've been in a party and I've been feeling like introverted or awkward. These would have been good for me to know. You still want to do the same technique, escalate right. self-disclosure, but uh, you, you have to start with small talk. Like, like, what do you think about the weather sort of thing? <laughs> but anyway, okay, here's uh, the slips for closeness generating. Um, okay. Slip is a question. Questions for closeness generating. Uh, given the choice of anyone in the world, whom would you want at a, as a dinner guest? You. <laughs> good, good answer. Uh, <laughs> other than me. Hmm. I would say anyone in history, even too. Anyone in history? Yeah. Well, wow. Um, oh wait, so this is not multi. Like you have, you can choose the answer. So it's like something they have to come. Yeah, up. it's self disclosure. If it's multiple choice, it's not self disclosure. Oh. It's test disclosure. <laughs> oh, that's hard because there's so many people. Um, yeah, and by the way, it probably almost like sounds Einstein. like Einstein. Yeah, Einstein might be interesting. Why? Just because I think his brain was just so amazing. And so he would be so interesting to talk to. I wonder if he would be, like, or if he was, like, so interesting because he was constantly thinking in his right. head. Maybe he wouldn't be interesting to talk to. Uh, and but I think he was very creative. So I, I would enjoy a creative conversation like that. Yeah. Uh, Einstein's a good one. Ideas I, I think, and... And, and so, see, this is, 
this is self-revealing, but in a small way, like it shows me, oh, you might be attracted to smart people, for mm -hmm. instance. And so now I'm thinking I definitely of my, am. Yeah. I, I, I'm thinking of my answer. And the first one that comes to mind is uh, Jesus, of course, just to see what the hell he was all about. Like, did he really? <laughs> he was, was just a man. Yeah, but did he, why was he able to inspire, you know, ultimately billions of people? Yeah. Uh, now, but, but okay, but I, but that almost seems too, uh, cliche and Einstein's a good one. Um, I, well, it's funny. Like, we didn't ask me, you, Jay. Okay. No, but, but Jay, who would, who would, <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just teasing. Who, who oh, would you pick Jay? Cause this, this, this would be bad, but this would be bad. It's almost, uh, almost, I wouldn't say offensive, but I would, I would, I would love to have a dinner with Genghis Khan for some reason. Oh, Genghis Khan. Cause we're all descended from him. <laughs> no, but you know yeah, what? That's like an that, interesting one because yeah. this is a person who, without really, I mean, he didn't. There was no fancy. I mean, there was big armies back then, but they didn't have any fancy weapons or anything like that. And he essentially conquered all of Asia. I don't know if he got up to Europe, but he did conquer he all of Asia and, yeah. and from from so, China to the Middle East. I'm just curious. Like you live in such a cold country, you you have nothing, and why why would you have such a big ambitious? Because like back. However, thousand years ago, I assume there's no internet. You don't know what's out there. You know, like how do you know you'll be able to do all this thing? And what gives you the idea to do all this? Do all this thing? You know what I mean? It's just, it's just curious. Yeah, like why see. would he feel the need to to basically conquer the world? Yeah. at that time, like why not just have a pleasant life with your family and and relax? And yeah, because you always talk about like you know like if some someone do something because they got hurt by some sort of uh you know someone or something before like i wonder what he got hurt before you know like maybe know or maybe he didn't like his home life and he figured maybe. okay well i could rape and pillage all the time <laughs> that seems like for him that seemed like a better life uh, yeah so i mean knows? like there's something they must have he must have like uh you know like see or something that he might have seen or he might have done they're like okay this feel good or you know because if you think about it, like, why, like you said, why, why is the need of conquering and also what? And also, also what his strategies were for conquering. Let's not yeah. forget, he was the most successful conqueror in history. I would yeah. say in terms of ranking, there's, there's Genghis Khan, there's Alexander the Great, who went all the way from, mm -hmm. let's say, uh, Eastern Europe through, down to India and with right. Persia along the way. There was Charlemagne, uh, not Charlemagne the God, who's been on this podcast a couple of times, but Charlemagne the Emperor, who was born in 754 AD, who basically yeah. conquered and unified Europe. It's probably the only time before and since that Europe's been fully unified. Uh, maybe there's Attila the Hun, who was with his, you know, oh, yeah, tribes were able to conquer the Roman Emperor, which had lasted for, you know, 800 years about. Uh, yeah. uh, what other successful conquerors were there? Of You know, Napoleon took, you know, both, both I, I don't want to say Hitler was a success, successful conqueror because he really wasn't, he's, but he's not a conqueror. I don't think he's a conqueror. He's more like a dictator. Yeah. But the one thing about both Napoleon and Hitler messed up strategically, which is interesting that Hitler didn't try to learn from Napoleon's mistakes is they both tried to invade Russia and they both basically, uh, just lost their shit in, in Russia. Yeah. Well, the only, I think the only one that that we mentioned that uh, successfully conquered Russia, it's Genghis Khan because you know it's right there. Right, but Russia wasn't unified at the time. Yeah, it wasn't unified at the time, yeah. I mean, Russia's technique, Russia almost is the best defender because their technique is just to withdraw and withdraw and withdraw and eventually the Russian winter gets everyone. They have the, they have the terrain uh, advantage, right? That's what you call the geographical advantage because it's so cold out there. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's like, I'm going through all the people. First off, having a podcast is almost like, it's like, I get to answer this question all the time because whoever I have on my podcast is someone I've dreamt of having dinner with. Like, you know, you mentioned Chuck Palahniuk earlier. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. he's, the, he's one of my favorite writers and I get to talk to him for one, two hours whenever he comes on the podcast. It's like a dream come true or, or Gary Kasparov. I get to talk to him about chess for a couple hours yeah. or it's. It's great there because because now you and Chuck. I mean, I, I don't know how much you guys keep in touch, but like he likes you a lot. Like he sent you a nice note after the podcast. 
Yeah, and um, uh, even Robert Green. Yeah, and Robert Green is always so interesting and so smart to to learn from. So it's like I get to answer. It's like I don't have to answer this question. I get to live it. On a, it's not a it's not a dream scenario for me. I've had nine hundred guests or a thousand guests on this podcast. There were all people I could have answered this question with. All these astronauts, athletes, yeah. writers. You know, Richard Branson. You know, again, Gary Kasparov. All these people I would. So I'm thinking more historical. Robin picked kind of like of uh, an extremely smart person, perhaps the smartest person ever. Jay, you picked one of the, probably the greatest conqueror ever. So I'm thinking of someone in the middle, and maybe this sounds a little corny, but Lao Tzu, the author of the Tao Te Ching. Oh. Because on the one hand, a lot of people assume Taoism is, a, and that Lao Tzu was a very spiritual person, and Taoism is a spiritual sort of religion. But there's a huge theory that Lao Tzu had nothing to do with religion or spirituality, and that the book, the Tao Te Ching, is completely a political text, and he was trying to advise the Chinese emperor at the time how to be a better emperor. So there is that theory that Lao Tzu and the Tao Te Ching is totally political. So I would be curious to have dinner with him because, A, I think the Tao Te Ching, I've probably read it 500 times. It's useful for anybody to read, but uh, there's a lot of insights and, and depth to it. But I want to kind of know where it comes from. Nobody really knows much about Lao Tzu. So I'd like to I'd like to have him on the podcast or have dinner with him. I have to say, Airbnb has changed my life. I just love staying in Airbnbs. Like in about a month, I'm going to Cocoa Beach, which is right next to Cape Canaveral. I'm going to watch some rocket launches. I'm going to, of course, be staying in a very nice Airbnb on the beach. And it's just such a great experience. Like the whole world is available to us now because of Airbnb. But whenever I'm at an Airbnb, I always realize, you know, I the home that I left to come to this Airbnb I could be making money on that right now by hosting and and being an Airbnb myself. So, and I've known people, I had a friend who basically, you know, made a living from turning his home into an Airbnb. So if you have a home, but you're not always at home, you do have an Airbnb there. And it's an e- it can easily fit into your lifestyle and it's a great way to earn some money. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The famous Abraham Lincoln quote says, good things come to those who wait. I wonder, did he really say that? Jay, did he really say that? Can you look that up? Regardless of who said it, that's only part of the quote. The full quote is, good things come to those who wait, but only the things left by those who hustle. Well, if you're a business owner and want the best people on your team, the same applies. And listen, I've interviewed 1,500 people now and a lot of entrepreneurs. I can safely say the one thing consistent among all entrepreneurs and CEOs, the, the successful ones, is that it's all about the people you surround yourself. You, If you hire well, you're going to have a great business. And, you know, thankfully... ZipRecruiter puts the hustle in your hiring. So you find qualified candidates fast. This is so important and I I want you to try it. You could try it as a potential employer or employee. You could try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash James. ZipRecruiter's smart technology finds top talent for your roles right away. Immediately after you post your job, if you're hiring, ZipRecruiter's matching technology starts showing you qualified people for it. And I will tell you that I signed up on ZipRecruiter as a potential employee you know, I just wanted to see how it works. And right away, it started matching me with really amazing potential employers. So give it a try at ZipRecruiter.com slash James. Let ZipRecruiter give you the hiring hustle you need. See why four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash James to try it for free. Again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash James. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. So, okay, I'm going to go to the next question. Robin, would you like to be famous and in what way? 
No. How come? Because I'm private. I don't like, I just, I don't like. I think a lot of people think fame though is, and and, and I think people are wrong about this, but I think people think fame is when everyone loves you and (laughs) infamy is when everyone hates you. Yeah, you get both when you're famous. Yeah, yeah. I think, like, just pick a random actor, like, I don't know, Matthew McConaughey. I mean, I'm sure a lot of people love him, and I'm sure there's a lot of people who hate him. Or take J.K. Rowling, who, you know, uh, sold, like, I don't know, 500 million copies of her books. And right now, a lot of, because she's famous, a lot of people really hate her uh, because of yeah. recent comments. So there's made. lots of jealousy. Uh, you know, you, you're not. Uh, it's just you're not going to live a private life. Yeah. And also one thing I hate about, I mean, I'm, I'm not answering the questions, but I, <laughs> I'm just talking about being famous. I hate about once you're being famous, whatever you say would, would, yep. would be like, oh, you have the responsibility to say this to, you know, to the public. I'm that, like, well, you're just a regular person. That's true. And, you know, I am not famous, but of course once a day, if I'm walking around, someone who listens to the podcast will say hello. And I'm really grateful for that. Please, if you see me anywhere, say hello. I, I, I really do love it. And every time I go to an airport, I run into someone who, who either reads my books or listens to this podcast. And it's very gratifying to me. And I would say initially, I thought my answer to this would be no, but I actually would like to be famous. And the reason is, I think that's a metric for how many people are enjoying the the writing I do or the podcasting I do like, you know, or, or a product that I made for instance, which, you know, is probably a little bit more rare, but, uh, I, I, I think it's a good way. If you're, if you're, if you're any form of entertainer and a podcaster is an entertainer, a writer is an entertainer, even if they think they're a nonfiction writer and they're writing about very serious things, nobody's going to read your shit. If, if you don't entertain, if you're not interesting. So, you know, if you're, I've been a comedian, so I've been a performer. I've been, I've been a public speaker, so I've been a performer. And again, writing is a form of performance. Certainly podcasting is. So I have to say just by my actions, uh, even if I said, I don't want to be famous, then I do certainly want a huge audience for all of these different things I do. I want to be liked for these things. And maybe that's because at heart I was insecure when I was a kid. I didn't have many friends. My parents were gone all the time. And Maybe I felt like a, a replacement, you know, I'm getting all therapy now, but maybe I felt a replacement for that lack of love and attention was, uh, oh, the, the attention of the masses. So I went down this career path. But, you know, you got to take the good with the bad then. Yeah, no, it's true. And, and you have I, no I have control to, over it. I have to say this year has been more bad than good. I mean, um, people love the podcast and love my writing and everything, but I've certainly you know, the, the, the power of social media has empowered people more than ever to just be hateful and disgusting and Mm -hmm. despicable. And, and it's been very disappointing seeing who's really your friend and, and that's right. I was going to say, plus you you don't really know. It's pretty lonely because you just don't know who's your friend for real. Like, are they using you? Are they, uh, do they just really like you for who you are? So when you don't have that fame and, and you, no one knows how much money you have. You're just a normal person. You get true friends because there's, they're not after you for something else. They're just like you for who you are. And, you know, I think about it, like ever since I started my first business or even before that, ever since I started managing people, uh, almost all my friends in some way or other I work with, and that's not necessarily a bad thing, but, uh, I don't really have friends the way other people do. It's not like I, I, I rarely know my neighbors. I, I don't really, I don't go, I don't do friendly activities. Like I don't go camping or vacationing with people or anything like that or or go to a golf well, club Well, now with you're going to do that. Hmm? We're going to go camping. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm introducing you to the real world. Okay, here, here's one. This is a good one. Um, <laughs> The next question is, before making a telephone call, do you ever rehearse what you're going to say? No. Jay? Oh, wait. I do, ha- do I have to answer this? Uh, yes. I I, will, I, will ha- I have to because I am a introvert. So, like, I will have to rehearse. 
and then have to rehearse what you reply, and they have to rehearse what's my response. Oh no! I I, I used to do that a hundred percent of the time, but now I don't unless I'm feeling very awkward for some reason. So sometimes, if I don't return a call for a long time, and then you ever get into that pattern where. You don't return a call, and then you feel bad, so that makes you even less want to return a call. Oh, I'll do it tomorrow, and then the next day, oh, I don't really want to right now. I can't deal right. with it. I'll do it tomorrow, and then you eventually have to return the call. But it's two months later, so I do rehearse those. Like, how am I going to apologize about this? I feel so bad. So I guess whenever I'm feeling awkward, I, I rehearse. Yeah, well, the thing is, like, I have to rehearse. Just, but the funny thing is, no matter how much I rehearse, once I got on the call, all the response is going to be different. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's that's a, that's a weird thing. That's and the then, way of it. And then I I just have to I also have to rehearse how happy how how much energy I have to put into it. And and Robin, <laughs> I could see I could see why you don't rehearse because I feel like you're used to just talking to so many different types of people mm-hmm. on the phone. Like you talk to you talk to friends, you talk to family. You mm-hmm. you call. I think it's a good practice actually. Like someone said on the podcast the other day that they make sure at the end of the day after a hard day of work, they call someone they're close to and establish contact and, you know, feel that closeness through a phone call. And I think mm-hmm. you're one of those types of people. Mm-hmm. And I'm like the opposite of that. Uh, so yeah. And also Robin's very straightforward. Yes. You know, right. Like, so, so if she hasn't called like anyone in two games. months, yeah. Like Robin, what would you say? If you hadn't called someone in two months and you feel bad about it, how would you? Respond? I don't think. I don't think. I don't think Robin's gonna do that. I think Robin's just gonna return the call right away. Yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah. Robin's never, never, never like miss or if a call. I forget, I'm like, oops, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, or like, I forgot. Well, yeah, because yeah, Robin, Robin, I even, tell him the truth. <laughs> even if I get yeah. like just a message from a random person, you're always reminding me. Like, did you call that person back yet? Did you yeah. call that person back yet? And I'm like, I'm never gonna call that person. <laughs> like, why would I call that person back? Yeah, it's it's scary. What if the person's like, but what are you scared of? Well, it's repetitions. For me, it's repetitions. So why if the person think that I'm dumb? I'm like a watermelon, walking watermelon. See, that's your that's your thinking, though. Yeah, that's the thing. That's, <laughs> I scare myself. I, I would that's... say when I used to when I used to uh, when I was like in the dating world, and I would ask someone out on a date, I would rehearse that a little bit before making a phone call because right, those are scary. Right. Those those are really scary. Like because. Because how many how many girls would just will will will, will say hi to me? Unless, yeah, particularly if you don't rehearse. <laughs> yeah, but you know when particularly you rehearse, if you're just yourself. I feel yeah. like when you rehearse, you can tell when someone's rehearsed it. Like I can. That's why you get to be a good performer. I know. Um, I, I can tell. But, so that's yeah. why I just do it on the fly. So okay, next one. Um, when did you last sing to yourself and to someone else? Okay, well, so I'll, the question I'll answer, would be, I feel like I feel when like was I the last sing, time I tried to sing. No, I feel like you. First of all, I'll say my answer, which is, I I sing to myself probably every day, and often I'm joking around and I sing to you, and that happens like either every day or every other day. I feel like we do that with each other yeah. all the time. Yeah, that's pretty common. So, um, uh, let me see if uh, okay, this is a good one. If you were able to live. To the eight, and by the way, I'm doing this all in order, so I'm not looking for good ones. We just did this is number six. Okay. If you're able to live to the age of 90, if you're able to live to the age of 90 and retain either the mind or body of a 30 year old for the last 60 years of your life, which would you want? Body, yeah, I'm going with body there because I'm planning on being being just as smart at 90 anyway. So, (laughs) yeah, but if you're so like, if you chose the mind, just think about how tragic that would be like all the things that you want to do but you you can't because you're too old yeah i i go for body too because you know i collect dad jokes so by 90s i have a million (laughs) dad jokes that i can tell yeah um no i just think in general they're assuming the body uh, they're assuming the mind declines the way the body does i don't think the mind has to decline particularly if you have a healthy body so yeah. I think you're yeah. more likely to have a healthy mind if you have a healthy body. So I'll That's definitely true. keep the body. Yeah. Just the if science have, of this. Yeah. yeah, if you have dementia, just play mahjong. Yeah. <laughs> no, but you, mahjong, you need to know what the other people are th- discarding. Come on, Jay. Do I have to teach you about every game? Yeah, but 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 <laughs> dementia, uh, like in Chinese saying, like if you have dementia, you know, just play mahjong. It will help. You know what? If you you're right. So if you want to avoid dementia, it's good to play 
uh, games yeah. or solve puzzles that require uh, a some spatial uh, ability, which Mahjong has, and also memory, uh, mm-hmm. which which Mahjong very much has, as does chess and poker and and card games and so on. So that's why yeah. older people play bridge, all sorts of games. Do you have a secret hunch about how you will die, Robin? Not really. Yeah, I sort of like you're so, Yeah, I kind of see that about you. You're like kind of uh, you're 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 kind of strong. Like you you don't have any weaknesses. I feel I I have a uh uh I have a secret hunch that I'll have a heart attack. Not because oh. I have any kind of you know blood or cholesterol issues or anything, but I just think that I take on so many stresses and challenges for myself even when activities for fun like hobbies are always extremely stressful. Uh, like, like, why would I take, like other people take as a hobby, you know, uh, uh, stamp collecting. Why would I take stand-up <laughs> comedy as a hobby where you have to like go in front of a bunch of strangers, tell jokes, and they could literally laugh at you and make fun of you. Like, why would I do that as a 40, whenever I started doing that in my late forties. And I, wait, I, are you saying stamp collecting is not stressful? Have you watched National Treasure? What if the one that 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 the stamp that only came out that one time they have to go to behind the Statue of Liberty to find the clue to find it? Maybe, maybe I I don't know, but there's certainly a lot of hobbies that are not stressful, like looking in, in a telescope every day and mapping the universe. I don't know, whatever your hobby is, or just watching football. You might get stressed if your team doesn't win, but it's not the same as that's like a passive stress. Whereas right. when you go on stage, or if you play a game of like let's say your hobby is poker you could l- go to have fun and lose thousands of dollars or if you right. go play if your hobby is chess you could play a game in a tournament you could play for five hours and you could be winning the whole time and at the end you lose that's stressful so i feel like i take on these or you could be an entrepreneur and oh, i take man. on these challenging situations that are heart palpitating stress <laughs> And so I have a secret hunch that some stress-related illness is how it's is, it's gonna. Um, so, uh, uh, so I want to get to the other sets so so we see the escalation. But also, I'll I'll just stop with this question number eight. But there's twelve questions in this set. Um, name three things you and your partner appear to have in common. So, Robin, what are three things you think you and I have in common? Well, we like to talk about our ideas. Yes, that's true. We have a lot of fun doing mm-hmm. that. And creating things. That's really fun. Yeah, yeah. We both like creativity. Mm-hmm. And we both like to watch TV. <laughs> I don't know if that's... You know what? Let's be proud of it. Like, watch TV and proud. Like, I love... I I feel like our generation was the first generation that has basically been exposed to thousands and thousands of stories because of TV, like our language of storytelling is so much greater than prior generations. Like think, like Robin, think of your grandparents. I bet you they could not tell us, like they have a very old fashioned way of telling us stories, how I remember my grandparents. And like, we are much better at it because we've seen so many plots. Right, that's true. What's another thing though? TV is kind of like, everybody likes um, watching TV. We, we like to go on walks together. Yeah. And walking is very health, healthy. And we like to I, travel together. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. I, that's very true. And we uh, also I, love experimenting together. Yeah. Everything. And I think I think our values are similar, like our views on, sure. yep. on trust and parenting and re- yes. relationships. I think our right. views on money are, are somewhat similar. Right. Um, maybe a little different. Uh, I think I'm a little more... Oddly, because I've gone broke so many times, I think I'm a little more cautious than you. Um, but, but that's cautious in investing part. <clears throat> I think caution in spending, actually, because as as mentioned in our in Jay, have we even released the How to Be Wrong? I, or, I no, don't know I'm, about I'm, that. I'm, I'm wrong podcast because I talk about buying a house. No, yeah, yeah. I would yeah, never have bought a house. Yeah, but you like to fly private, and I think it's too expensive. So I say go it's, commercial. So I, I think we balance each other. All right, maybe we balance each other there. Yeah, because um, I think private is just over. It's just I don't know. I I now agree with you on that, but sometimes it's it's convenient. extra. Yeah, as the kids say. 
It's extra. Okay. I'm going to move to set two, which is supposedly more escalating. And I, I, um, so, uh, is there something that you've dreamed of doing for a long time? Why haven't you done it? Go to space. You really dreamed of going to space? Yep. Mm-hmm. Did When you were a kid, did you want to go to space? Yes. When I was a kid, I really wanted to go to space, but now I have no interest. But why, why haven't you done it then? Uh, because I don't know. I'm not an like, astronaut. <laughs> did you ever think about being an astronaut? Yes. Why didn't you go down that I'm path? I'm not great at math. Oh, yeah. That will stop being, yeah. being an astronaut. That's sort of a shame that you have to be good at math to go into space. Well, but but no, it's possible it now is with possible Blue now. Origin. Yeah, yeah but, by, by, but it costs a lot of money. By the end of our lives, it'll be possible for anyone to go into space. So I bet you, yeah. Robin, at some point, <clears throat> you will go to space. Because um, that would be the most amazing thing ever. I won't let my moderate to severe plaque psoriasis symptoms define me. Emerge as you. In two clinical studies, Trimphia guselcumab, taken by injection, provided 90% clearer skin at 16 weeks in 7 out of 10 adults with moderate to severe plaque psoriasis. In a study, nearly 7 out of 10 patients with 90% clearer skin at 16 weeks were still clearer at 5 years. At 1 year and thereafter, patients and healthcare providers knew that Trimphia was being used. This may have increased results. Results may vary. Serious allergic reactions may occur. Trimphia may increase your risk of infections and lower your ability to fight them. Before treatment, your doctor should check you for infections and tuberculosis. Tell your doctor if you have an infection or symptoms of infection, including fever, sweats, chills, muscle aches, or cough. Tell your doctor if you had a vaccine or plan to. Emerge as you. Learn more about Tremphia, including important safety information, at Tremphia.com or call 1-877-578-3527. See our ad in Food & Wine magazine. For patients prescribed Tremphia, cost support may be available. From their innovative practice facility to unmatched views from the fairway, the PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with 5G solutions from T-Mobile for Business. Together, we're using AI-powered analytics to expand coaching tools and bringing fans closer to the pros with 5G-connected cameras. This is game-changing innovation. This is the PGA of America with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. Something I've dreamed of doing for a long time. I feel I've done the things I've dreamed of doing. Um, oh, you know what? I mean, I've done this in the past, but for years. So, so when I st- I started writing in 1989 or 1990, and I wrote four novels and dozens and dozens of short stories. But that was then, and I didn't publish any of them because I was just I was building the skill. But now that I've been writing for 30 years. I, I really want to write a novel and I think I haven't done it because I think the reason, the real reason I haven't done it now that I'm thinking about it, a lot of it stems from insecurity that I could put so much effort into something for a year or two and then get it published, which takes another year or so. And then people just might not like it or might not read it. The average novel sells like a few hundred copies. And with, when I write articles, or blog posts or whatever, I try to do it in a storytelling fashion, even if it's nonfiction. So, I, and I try to be very revealing about myself and my failures and, and times I've been, you know, had hardship and, and so on. And I get immediate feedback. So I like things. So when you do stand up comedy, you get immediate feedback. When you play a game of chess, particularly if you play, play speed chess, you get immediate feedback. Even being an entrepreneur, I don't enjoy as much cause I don't get immediate feedback. In fact, whenever I've started a business, I like to sell it as quickly as possible to get feedback at least as fast as possible. So I think the reason I haven't done lots of things I've dreamt of is I haven't got, I, I, one time I dreamt of getting a PhD. I didn't do that because it takes so long. I'm usually, I think I err on the side of doing things where I can get, where I can get immediate feedback and maybe the learning curve is very steep and I could measure success very quickly of the learning curve. Hmm. Interesting. So, um, Robin, what do you value most in a friendship? Loyalty and trust. 
When do you know you can't trust somebody? Uh, when they start talking about somebody else to me. In a good way or a bad way? Bad way. But we talk about people sometimes. That's, a, that's We're different. We're a closed loop. Yeah. But, um, yeah, typically you can tell uh, that someone gossips uh, when, you know, they start gossiping uh, about someone to you. And that's a big red flag to me. Yeah, I think that's true. I mean, I, I, I definitely value that. I, I definitely value trust. Loyalty, it's hard to say like what you mean by that, like. Well, when I mean loyalty, I mean like, let's say that there's somebody that you don't trust in your world of friendships and you uh, are, are hurt by somebody um, and some and another friend sees that they've done that to you, but yet they're still friends with that person. Yeah, though no, you know what? Actually, that's interesting. That's bothered me too with people. Yeah. Uh, uh, I would say, I would say for me, what I value most in friendship is definitely trust is a big deal. It's got to be also, you know, I hate to say, it, but it's got to be interesting to me. Like they, they offer not interesting, but they offer value in my life. Like they're there when I need them. They show up for me and I show up for them. So it's, how, it's always mutual. And I think all, and, and they're not fair weather. Like when things are bad, they don't abandon you. I've lost lots of friends that way. And I guess also it's not important to me. And it's important, I think to say what's not important in this. It's not important to me what someone's political beliefs are. Like I have friends right. whose political beliefs are all over the place. Now I won't be friends with someone who I think is like racist or anti-Semitic or whatever. Right. And I would never be, I don't like being friends with people who, who I think in general in their lives are dishonest. Like they cheat on people or, or right. they're, they're, they're criminals. But I think what their political beliefs are, as long as I can have a conversation with them about it mm -hmm. and it doesn't turn into like a hate, a shouting match. Mm -hmm. Like, like for instance, one of my closest friends is my business partner, Dan. We don't believe politically on a lot of issues, but we're able to discuss them. Mm -hmm. And we've actually never had like an angry argument in the 22 years we've worked together. So even if yeah. we disagree on things. Right. And that's important too, so that we can move forward even through our disagreements. So we could sure. just, like if we have disagreements in business, those are important to resolve, but we're able to resolve them after after 22 yeah, years of I think it's having so these discussions. Silly to, to like just only have friends that, that uh, believe the same way you believe in politically. I mean, cause that's not about the person. Like you could have, I mean, I don't care what they believe politically. It's just you, you, you enjoyed their friendship and their morals, their uh, just, I think that's the most important. It's just the person. So I think it's really silly to, to just only be around people that are, believe the way you believe politically. Yeah. Like, let's say, let's say you're like, let's even take an extreme. Let's say you're in an old age home and you're 90 years old. So it's not like you're going to, you might not even live for the next election or you, climate changes, you could care about it, but it's not going to affect you because you're going to die soon. And there's a friend in the room next to you or a person in the room next to you who is fun to play games with. You talk about your memories, you've had similar experiences, mm -hmm. but let's say you really believe in climate change and this person really doesn't believe in climate change. It's not like you're going to say, oh, I can't be friends with that person. Right. Like, it's who are you going to be friends with? Like, you've got to- You just don't talk about it and you just, I don't know, you just move on. Or if you talk about it, you, you, you could joke around like, oh, you probably, I don't know, want to burn the world down or whatever. Anyway, <laughs> but uh, uh, I think that I think that's important to me as well. And Jay, what, what do you value in a friendship? Uh, I think I, I think I'm similar with James. Like you know, you show up for me, and I show up to you. It's the the trust and the, the it's mainly the trust actually. Like, yeah. like Robin said too. So like it's a bit of both of you. And I really do appreciate like people that talk sound to other people. I use I lost a friendship. Like yeah, he helped me before, but like every time he he will like talk down to me. He he treat me like like you know I'm second class person. You know, like he's like the big man in the house and I'm the small man in the house. Yeah. 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 
So, so it's interesting. So this is set two. We, we had gone through set one, but these, I just, the last one or two questions were from set two, which is escalating intimacy. And notice like, as opposed to like, oh, who would you want as a dinner? Who would you like to have as a dinner guest? This is more like, what do you value in a friendship? You know, uh, is there something you've dreamed of doing? This is more really about a deeper layer of you that you're asking about. And so I'm going to skip to set three. There's like 12 questions in set two. Um, like how, here's a question. How do you feel about your relationship with your mother? That was in set two. Um, what we're not answering do, any of those. No, no. I'm just, I'm just saying them. What roles do love and affection play in your life? Uh, what is your most terrible memory? Blah, blah, blah. But okay. Set three, this is supposed to be the, the highest, maybe not the most escalating it could be, but this is the next level of escalation. This is what they, this set was the final set in their experiment that they did. Uh, make three true we statements. For instance, we are both in this room feeling. So you can see how now it's going from something really uh, personal and deeper about you to, to now the escalation is now it's about us. We're like in this together now. So, so make, make three true we statements. Okay. So we are both in this room feeling excited about our podcast. Yeah. And I would say like on our first date, I think we were both in that restaurant feeling we wanted to talk more about each other than about the original topic, which was investments. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All right, I'll go to another question. We don't have to say three. Um, oh, this, see, you can see how these are escalating. Tell your partner, like, let's say it's a date, tell your partner something that you like about them already. So like on that first date, I liked about, well, I liked how pretty you were. Mm -hmm. Uh, I liked how I liked your values on parenting uh -huh. and I liked the, you had been through some really tough experiences and, and really I've gotten through them in amazing ways. And I really admired you for that. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, the same, um, made that first night. Um, I really enjoyed the fact that you were a good listener, that you were very smart very intelligent and very kind and real. Yeah. Okay. Here's another one. This is a funny one given what's going on with Dave Chappelle, but what, if anything is too serious to be joked about, I don't want to answer that one right now. Um, but here's an interesting one. When did you last cry in front of another person? Me? Yeah. Uh, about four days ago in front of my son. Really? What did you cry about? Oh, well, he was just telling me some things that he felt uh, when he repatriated last year, and it made me sad that huh. he he actually felt that way. Yeah. So I mean, that, and that that is very revealing. It shows you know what kind of mother you are. It shows you you know how you have empathy with people and so on. And I think probably the last time I cried in front of another person was in front of you. I'm yeah. I'm I'm probably a crybaby in front of you. No, <laughs> like, uh, you but I, I remember ever when I remember when it was like overwhelming. I, I cry in front of you too. <laughs> yeah, you cry in front of me. Uh, uh, I remember when it was just overwhelming, like everything that was going on with this stupid article, which I keep talking about, but I got to move past it. But but this is the last time I think I cried really in front of you. Was it was like I couldn't even believe so many people were, were like, like Jerry Seinfeld, one of my one time heroes was writing an article, just insulting me, not even addressing the issues. And he doesn't even know you. Yeah. And people, and people I did know who I had helped were trashing me on Twitter and whatever. And but those aren't your friends. You thought that's they were, they, but and they that's were, the I, sad part. Is that yeah. That, that thought... was the sad part actually to me. And and the reality is I've had so many instances like that. Like, really, you are now trashing me? Like, I, mm. I, that it just, it was a little overwhelming because I've had yeah. it happen before, but that was a little overwhelming. And yeah. It's so, good that you, you know that now. It's good that you know who your really friends are because. Basically, just the two of you people on this call. <laughs> no, no, that's not true. I've, I've, I've actually met a lot of wonderful people oh. through this podcast yeah, you too. you do and have friends. Yeah. True friends. Yeah, I have, I have, I have. You don't need so many true friends. I mean, just you just need a few friends. That's all you need. Yeah. Just your inner circle. Here's some other sample questions. We don't have to answer them. Um, 
share with your partner an embarrassing moment in your life, you know, that's, that's very revealing. I've got a lot of those. If you were to become a close friend, please share what would be important for him or her to know. Complete this sentence. I wish I had someone with whom I could share X. Of all the people in your family, whose death would you find most disturbing? Why? Uh, mm. Obviously, any of our kids yep. would be. Uh, share a personal personal problem and ask your your and and ask for advice on how she he or she might handle it. So again, these are like very not only revealing, but you're including the other person. So that's the escalation. So the first one is you know of the who would you want to have dinner with sort of variety. The second set is you know, telling things about yourself that, you know, like what's your dreams and stuff like that. Uh, the third thing is either saying something embarrassing that you wouldn't normally say, normally say about yourself. Like when was the last time you cried or they're about us? Like, tell me how you feel about me. So, so that's like the next level of escalation. And again, the key always is to have nonstop, you know, this is, so if you want to, if, if you're on a date or you're in a, intimate situation or with a potential stranger or a potential, you know, romantic partner, escalating intimacy like this is very powerful. And this scientific study, and there's been other studies like this, uh, they show that it works. And again, the paper is the experimental generation of interpersonal closeness. And they kind of give all these questions there, which you don't have to use these questions, but they kind of give a sense of the kind of escalation. Now, what if it's, just small talk at a party, not with somebody you're going to be a romantic relationship with, but maybe it's a boss or a coworker or, uh, someone you're selling or a neighbor. Uh, so there's a different set of questions, uh, for that. And I'll just, I'll just read quickly some of the questions. We don't have to answer them right now. Uh, when was, so here's in the first part, the, the beginning of small talk, when was the last time you walked for more than an hour? Describe where you went and what you saw. What was the best gift you ever received? Uh, do you read a newspaper often and which one do you prefer? What is a good number of people to, uh, to have in a, a student household? If you could invent a new flavor of ice cream, what would it be? So I always feel like, I don't know how I would bring those questions up. In a, like, how would you bring up the ice cream one? What, what's, a new, what's a new flavor? If you could invent a new flavor of ice cream, what would it be? I just say that. <laughs> well, okay, well, well, how about you guys What's your favorite ice cream? a flavor and then say, well, if you were to make one up, what would you make up? What would you make up? Me? Yeah. Uh, I feel like all the ice cream. Oh, you know what's really good? Skittle ice cream. What? Skittle. You know Skittles? Skittle ice cream. I've never had a Skittle. That would be good. Yeah, Skittle ice cream. Every every bite, every lick would be like on the tangy. ice cream would be, mm. yeah, tangy and different flavor. Yeah. That's hard. a good idea. Like like I feel like patch. I would want, I would want waffle ice cream, <laughs> like an ice really? cream that tastes like mm. the flavor of waffles. Or you know what? How about plantain vanilla ice cream? Plantain vanilla. That sounds greasy. Well, that's. <laughs> Is it let's say you could have that without. Uh, let's say you could have the flavor Creamy without the grease, but maybe uh, maybe the flavor includes the grease. <laughs> I would have yeah, a the bitter, honey, the bitter honey what? ice cream. What's that? Bitter honey. Bitter honey. I like that candy. What's bitter? Bitter honey. It's like it? it's an old it's an old fashioned candy that you know how that candy I was eating by the no. side of the bed and all those packages. Oh, what, how do you spell it? All the wrappers were like on the floor and everything. How do you spell it? B i t t and then o, I think, and then honey. Mm, so good, or like sugar daddy. Oh, oh, bit oh honey. Oh honey. Ah. Yeah, I had to Google to it's a bit B I T T dash O dash yep. honey. Yep. Um let me see. Or remember what? remember Sugar Daddy and Sugar Babies? I never had any of these. Sugar <laughs> So bit Maybe honey. they shouldn't have that name anymore. That, that would probably be canceled. They probably get canceled right away. Sugar it's, Daddy. It, it's funny. They uh Biddle Honey was started in 1924. Mm -hmm. Um and by the Shooter Johnson company in Chicago. I wish and we it was could a new buy kind that. of candy bar consisting of six pieces wrapped in wax paper and then packaged mm -hmm. in a cover wrapper. And the candy consists of almond bits embedded in a honey-flavored taffy, which makes Yummy. for long-chewing candy. Ew, I don't like that. I love it. I feel like I'm chewing forever and stuff like that. Then it was merged into the Ward Candy Company of New York City in 1969, which had, they made O'Henry, Raisinets, 
uh, and stuff like that. Uh-huh. And it was, and then they made a chocolate favorite version called Biddle Chocolate. Oh, I and never had then that. they were acquired by Tursum Company in 1981. And then hmm. they, uh, Tursum Company sold Biddle Honey to Nestle in 1984. <laughs> and in 2013, Nestle sold Biddle Honey to Pearson's Candy Company. Mm-hmm. And then in 2020, a few months ago, Spangler Candy Company bought it. So it's funny how all the different mergers and stuff that the, the lifespan of a brand go, goes through. So, mm-hmm. but anyway, um, so, that's, that, so that's in the first level of small talk. And other ones are, do you like to get up early or stay up late? Blah, blah, blah. So you, you or no, sorry, that was in the second one. Another first one is, um, what's the best restaurant you've been in? Describe the last pet you owned. What's your favorite holiday? Blah, blah, blah. Set two, Christmas. where it escalates. It, it, set two, where it escalates. Describe the last time you went to the zoo. Or uh, do you like to get up early or stay up late? Or uh, what did you do this summer? So it's a little bit more, it requires more storytelling mm. in set two. Uh, because like, oh, when's the last time you went to the zoo? Why'd you go? Who'd you go with? Like it's, it leads to other questions as opposed to like, name a, a flavor of candy you would invent. And then right. set three is what was your high school like? Uh, uh, describe your mother's best friend. <laughs> How often do you get your hair cut? Uh, so it's a lot more personal. Do, do you think life, left-handed people are more creative than right-handed people? And then I guess that again leads to stories. Like if you're, if you, right. oh, my brother is left-handed and he does this. And so you, it'll, yeah. it leads to more stories. Do you subscribe to any magazines? which at first sounds kind of very small talkish, but then you realize, oh, if this person just respond, just re- yeah. uh, subscribes to more magazines and gun magazines, that there's a, <laughs> there's stories behind this. Yeah. Or it's very revealing. Um, <laughs> so uh, what foreign country would you most like to visit? Actually, well, let me ask both of you because you both have traveled internationally and Jay grew up internationally and Robin, you spent uh-huh. uh, like 15 years traveling, living mm-hmm. abroad. Uh, what, what country now that you've never been to would both of you like to visit? I think Robin should go first. Robin has more stories to tell because she, she's been to more country than me. Mm-hmm. I, I'd say, uh, maybe Argentina, somewhere in South America. Puke. Or, you know, actually really where I would like to go is, um, uh, the South Pole. Oh yeah! Oh mm-hmm. wow! I'd is, like to, a con- I, is South Pole a country? Well, it's it's sort yeah, of a yeah, region. Yeah, no South Pole. Yeah, it's a country. And I would like to go on a uh, you know an icebreaker and go do explore exploration stuff. That's so brave! I yeah. just want to go to Japan and eat all the sushi. <laughs> yeah, Japan. I would like to go to that <laughs> That's restaurant. That's a great place. Japan I would like to go to that beautiful. restaurant featured in the documentary "Hero Dreams of Sushi." That looks like a good restaurant. Yeah, James, you would love Japan too. Yeah, Japan is great. Robin is like, I want to be explorer. Jay is like, I just want to eat. Yeah, Robin either wants to go to outer space space or or ten thousand feet underwater. I've been all over this, the land of this world, and I've been, you know, I've been diving in everywhere. So underwater. So now I want to explore space. Is there such a thing as volcano diving? Like, can you go wear no. like a suit and go in the? No, I don't think no, so. No. Yeah, you can get close to it. Yeah, you but can. I don't think you can. Yeah, you can get them. Even mm-hmm. even though when you get closer, you have to be like have to be very cautious. Yeah. and you can go over a helicopter and you can go yeah. some. Yeah, you can go close, which would be fun too. Yeah. The point of all this again is this is based on some research in the experimental generation of interpersonal closeness, done by a bunch of professors. They took thousands of subjects and. Uh, and had them either ask these questions or not. And their their point was, is that to establish quick intimacy, you need to, and I'll, I'll just read their exact statement again. Um, okay, to establish quick intimacy, you need to uh, develop, you need to create sustained, escalating, reciprocal, personalistic self-disclosure. And they come up with a set of questions, whether you're in a romantic situation or a non-romantic situation, they come up with a set of questions that are to be done in order because they 
involve the escalating and ultimately you're revealing like very deep things about yourself like oh what are you what are you most scared to reveal to somebody that might be a potential top escalation and the beginning escalation might be oh why do you like this restaurant or you know that sort of thing so uh if you want the full list of questions i'll write it down maybe i'll put it on my linkedin newsletter uh which you could find by finding me on linkedin at james altucher or your new it, notepad Oh yeah, or we're, we haven't launched it yet, but we're about to launch a project called Notepad where you get to keep track of your idealists. So more on that in the future. Meanwhile, stay tuned for another upcoming episode where Robin and I will find out our intimacy quotient. We will take the IQ <laughs> test and I will show you guys what the intimacy quotient test is like so you can determine in your relationships how intimate you guys are. What? When that when 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 we were recording the podcast, you would see Jay sitting in the corner just crying. <laughs> yeah, Jay's gonna be sad. If there's any lonely young women out there who want a good person in their lives, Jay has gone from homeless <laughs> beggar. I just saw. I mean, he didn't even. He would just grunt. He like grew up with the wolves, and I took him and I said, "You could be an audio engineer, young man." And he went from audio engineer. To super producer of podcasts, and it's really been amazing. So thank you. I traded my sense of smell to the sense of hearing. I'm not sure what that means, but yeah. And so, ladies out there, write write in or tweet that you love the podcast, and Jay always checks the Twitter. Yes. And thank you. And once again, if you if you like what you heard here, please. Follow this podcast so you don't miss one. Robin, thanks for coming on. Thank also, you. tell tell me if you like Robin because we all want validation <laughs> of our choices. <laughs> and um, see you guys next time. Thanks, you guys. Okay, thanks. Right, thank Bye. you. <laughs> I won't let my moderate to severe plaque psoriasis symptoms define me. Emerge as you. In two clinical studies, Trimphia guselcumab, taken by injection, provided 90% clearer skin at 16 weeks in 7 out of 10 adults with moderate to severe plaque psoriasis. In a study, nearly 7 out of 10 patients with 90% clearer skin at 16 weeks were still clearer at 5 years. At 1 year and thereafter, patients and healthcare providers knew that Trimphia was being used. This may have increased results. Results may vary. Serious allergic reactions may occur. Trimphia may increase your risk of infections and lower your ability to fight them. Before treatment, your doctor should check you for infections and tuberculosis. Tell your doctor if you have an infection or symptoms of infection, including fever, sweats, chills, muscle aches, or cough. Tell your doctor if you had a vaccine or plan to. Emerge as you. Learn more about Tremphia, including important safety information, at Tremphia.com or call 1-877-578-3527. See our ad in Food & Wine magazine. For patients prescribed Tremphia, cost support may be available. From a flat tire in the city to a dead battery on a distant drive, AAA is partnering with T-Mobile for Business to accelerate response times and get more drivers back on the road fast. Our nationwide connectivity powers location telematics, so AAA's fleet can find stranded drivers quickly while being fully equipped with the in-vehicle tools to have answers when they get there. This is elevating the member experience. This is AAA with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now.